Welcome everyone back to the Thinking Reform podcast. My name is Luke Saint, and with me tonight I have my dad Joel Saint and John Bingaman. We are part of the Mid Atlantic Reformation Society. Thanks everybody for listening to this week's episode. This week we're going to be talking about a podcast issued by Christianity Today, hosted by a guy that many of you know, uh, Russell Moore. It's called the Russell Moore Show, and it's uh, put on by Christianity Today. And the interviewee is. Uh, Rick Warren, uh, pastor of the California megachurch Saddleback Church. And if you didn't know that, be sure to listen to the full podcast by Rick Warren and Russell Moore, and he will be sure to explain that to you about 10 more times with much more glowing words than I have used. So this week we're going to talk about um, what, what most people are talking about with Rick Warren and this this uh, interview is that Rick Warren, you know, leaving the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, his position changing or maybe just being, you know, fleshed out or exposed coming out of the closet if you will uh concerning uh women in uh leadership roles specifically pastors so dad what are we going to see here in this uh in this interview you know one of the things that i noticed when i when i watched this interview before was uh, and you'll see rick warren saying that he's repented of his previous position okay his previous position was that women women can't be pastors then he goes on to say that the Great Commission, you know, he's believed this women can't be pastors all this time, but now he's changing his position or whatever, developing his position. Pivoting, I think, is the, is the modern word. Anyway, um, that's, that's very intriguing to me. He says that the uh, Great Commission was given uh, to women, which, strictly speaking, it was not. It was given to the disciples um, there um, when, when Christ ascended. Contextually speaking. Yeah. yeah. But obviously it applies to women as well. So I have to ask myself, did Rick Warren, up until this time, believe? Did, did he really believe that women are not included in the Great Commission? Did he really believe that? I don't believe it for a second. I think he's, I, I think he's being a fraud, quite frankly, to say what he's about to And you'll hear it. Okay. Uh, John, what do you think about this interview with Rick Warren and Russell Moore? Uh, <laughs> a little bit different tack in that. Uh, I, I really haven't paid any attention to either of these guys for any kind of time uh, because of their irrelevance to uh, biblical Christianity. You know, Rick, Rick Warren, I, I've always seen as a self-serving, um, you know, celebrity. Uh, Russell Moore is a, a kind of a gadfly in and around the SBC. Now he's doing this stuff for Christianity Today. Uh, so, uh, it, it, the, you sent me the interview to take a look at, uh, I, I was surprised I honestly hadn't even heard that Rick Warren was uh, being tossed from the SBC. Uh, it, the, uh, in the interview, he goes on to say that he's probably going to contest that, uh, saying that they, they need him more than he needs them. Uh, the, the man certainly is not short on, uh, uh, confidence shall I say? Uh, but, you know, so uh, you sent an interview between two guys that I really don't think about a lot, uh, if at all. And I don't know, you know, some, someone once told me that the opposite of love isn't hate, the opposite of love is indifference. Mm -hmm. And I find myself indifferent to these guys. Mm. Okay. So, well, do you find any of his arguments compelling? Because he's about to justify his. Well, they, they compel me to want to hurl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Very compelling, he uh, says. All right. Well, uh, it, it, 
give the man his credit. He said they're compelling. All right. So um, <laughs> he'll take it. Yeah. So let uh, let's get into this uh, episode. See here. if we're all compelled. Where Russell Moore, <laughs> where Russell Moore is interviewing um, uh, Rick Warren about his position on women pastors. In that study, oops, nothing else could have studied it as I came upon three different scriptures. First, the Great Commission. Now, Baptists, Southern Baptists like to call ourselves Great Commission Baptists. Mm -hmm. And we claim that we believe the Great Commission is for everybody. Both men and women are to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, not really you don't believe that because it says there are four verbs in the Great Commission. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Women are to go. Women are to make disciples. Women are to baptize. And women are to teach, not just men. Thoughts? Yeah, so what, how, how does this mean that, let, let's take children, for example. Yeah. Are children supposed to do this as well? Mm -hmm. Children have. Mm -hmm. are, are, are we now supposed to ordain children? That's that's what I find something that is is, is a huge problem with everything that that you that almost everything that is used to justify, um, for lack of a better term, but just just the greater problem of feminism encroaching on the on um, the church ecclesiology and 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 Christianity in general. Most of the arguments that are used to justify the encroachment of feminism on Christianity can be used to justify children. Right, you know what I'm saying. Everything that we that you say, well, well, the Bible says this about that one, and then they explain it away. But 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 in entering women into the discussion, uh, where the Bible speaks, you know, in certain contexts, you've also entered children. You also you you. It's just like the same with the homosexuals. You know, love is love, so I can do whatever I want. But now you've now you've paved the way for pedophilia, right? Because love is love, and and I feel like it's the same thing with feminism. Well, women can do everything a man can do, and if you say, well, okay, does that mean the children can do it too. And I think most of the feminists will say, well, no, not kids. But all the arguments you've used to justify women to do the thing that you want them to do, you've justified children as well. Yeah, Luke, we ran into this. We've run into this before where there are folks that will say the Bible does not teach, uh, for example, wifely submission. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yes. Because both have the Holy Spirit, right? So why should a wife submit to her husband? Uh-huh. Okay, well, if a child has the Holy Spirit, now what are we going to do? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Well, they both have the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Both, I mean, How are you going to do it? Argue with that. So, well, do you, do you think that women are supposed to baptize? Not, not, they're definitely not. Or, Christ had 12 disciples, mm -hmm. 12 apostles. How many of them were women? Zero. That would be, that would be zero. Okay. Yeah, so I, I and there's arguments about whether or not uh, women, for example, were missionaries and, and, and so forth. And there were when there were no men, isn't it better to have a woman missionary than than, than a man uh, if there's no men? And these are questions that I, I think are legitimate to be asked. And there have been really effective um, 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 mission, missionaries that were women when there were no men. Apparently, mm -hmm. here's the thing. Let's ask it. Uh, let's ask answer your question this way: Were there women uh, prophets, for example? Yes. And there was once or twice a, a, a woman prophetess, if you will. The time I'm thinking about is Holda, the prophetess that um, Josiah went to um, just prior to his revival. But why do we see a prophetess when God clearly had ordained men, 
to be prophets again and again and again. You see this kind of a thing when there is it's, it's total disaster in the um, in, in in the world of of righteousness and godliness. There's no one righteous. There's no one godly. So as a as a punishment, as an and as an embarrassment, I think Isaiah makes Isaiah chapter one makes the same point. There are times when the women come to the spiritual front and lead. It's not something to be celebrated. It's something to be embarrassed about. Hmm. Deborah makes the same point with Barak. Mm-hmm. Understand if she, you're not going to go out yeah, in front she of makes the, the point. Yeah, she makes the point. If you're not getting in front of this parade. I'm going to get in front of it, but I'm going to get the credit, mm. and you're not. And that's something to be ashamed of. And it, she said it in that context. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is this is what he's what he's doing here is. First off, he in, in all these, she says there's there's like three or four passages that change my mind, and he never goes into First Timothy at all, and never addresses it. You know, it, it seems that First Timothy would well, go. I would say never did. In, in the interview, he certainly. I think he certainly did. Does, I, I don't remember him talking about, about Timothy. It. He knows about Timothy and Titus. He, he, he right. certainly waved at that in, in, his, in the interview here somewhere. Okay. I, I don't remember him saying anything. I remember him saying, I know the qualifications in Timothy and Titus, but I don't remember him saying, here's where I oh. make sense of that. No, 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 no. He didn't, you know, he didn't exegete it, he, no. but he did certainly wave at it to say, you know, oh, I know what you're all going to say. Because, and I know those passages too. Right. Yeah. So okay. Anyway. Well, yeah. let's, oh, let's, sorry. I let's, thought you meant that he never even mentioned it. I, yeah. He, I know he said talked about the Titus and Timothy passage, but I don't remember him saying, "Well, you know." No. No. It, 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 it would seem this would be an appropriate time to say, "You know, I know what you're saying. What about the First Timothy passage? And how does that make sense with what I'm saying?" Well, here's where I make sense of that, and he never does. No. So now this is one of the reasons why Saddleback is baptized more people than any church in American history. If you listen to this interview, Rick Warren does not fail to ever toot his own horn. It's hard to even hear what he's saying because he just keeps on tooting. There's this horn in the background. Just, <laughs> Rick Warren, Rick Warren. We baptize so many people. I mean, it's just unbelievable how, how many accolades he gives himself throughout this interview. It, I mean, if the second half of it is just him talking about his accomplishments. Well, well, I have a question now, though. If Saddleback has baptized all these people, how did they do this when he had misunderstandings of the Great Commission this whole time? Well, he's repentant of that. He's repentant. Well, now he's really going to baptize them. Now he's he's already got more than anyone else. Now he's really going to crank it up. (laughs) Right, right. That's that's what he said. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking fraud, but anyway. History. 57,000 adult baptisms but in 43 caring? years. Why? <laughs> because in our church, if you win them to Christ, you get to baptize them. So if a mom wants to baptize her child or a wife wants to baptize her husband that she led to Christ. Any- what do you think about that? Um, what, what, she's going to baptize her husband? Yeah, wife baptizing her husband that she led to Christ? No. Okay. No. All right. Why? No. Headship. Okay. He, he's, he's now a believer. Okay. He's, he's her head. Not that he should be her head, that he is her Her husband mm-hmm. is the head of the wife. And Christ, even as Christ is the head of the church. How could you get the idea of a wife baptizing her husband under under that well, was, those conditions? Was, was Christ not the head of John the Baptist, but did he not submit himself to be baptized? Yeah, yeah, he, he did submit in, in, in that one particular case, yes. Okay. But can't that be used to then justify women baptizing men? Not at all. Okay. Because, because Titus and Timothy, strictly, Paul... Paul prohibits 
a, a woman, it's, it's spiritually speaking, to usurp authority over the man. He specifically prohibits it. Okay. Anybody can baptize anybody they led to Christ. 57,000 baptized. It's the liberation, the emancipation. Kids can of baptize dad and mom, right? I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, if little, if little Timmy led, um, led mom and dad to the Lord, I guess they can get in there and baptize him. Well, now you start to get into the whole <laughs> baptism. Who, you know, what's a valid baptism? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at a Baptist uh, position, you, you know, uh, we've watched this debate between Doug Wilson and, and James White mm-hmm. about what's a, what's a valid baptism. Do you, if you were baptized by uh, an apostate uh, Catholic priest as right. a child, yeah. right? Uh, as a lot of people think that's good. You're good to go. Yeah. You were baptized in a Christian church. You're called a Christian. That's good enough. And, uh, you know, I, it's this, it, you're starting to swerve into the same argument, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the very same. Yeah, I just just for let the record show that the Bible never makes a claim that anyone can baptize anyone. That's just Rick Warren throwing that in there. The Bible never makes that claim. I don't think at the River Jordan anyone could have just jumped in there and started baptizing people. I think it was specifically given to John to do that, and I, I, I mean, I, and recognized and recognized. Yeah, right. What he, did you come out to see? Right. Yes. Exactly. So the. The, the, the claim that anyone can baptize anyone, historically speaking, I'm not sure if any reformed individual has ever believed that. And I don't ever, I've never read anything where people have promoted that. I've never read a controversy around that even. Does, Just, does Rick Warren count himself reformed? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. He's Mr. No Creed But Christ guy, right? Oh, that's true. So, so I mean, and reformed people are all about creeds. So anyway, here we go minister that truly we believe in the priesthood of the priest most of the time instead of the priesthood of the believer. Now, great commission, go make disciples, baptize, teach. You can't say, well, the first two are for men and women, the last two are only for men, or maybe just ordained men. That's eisegesis. I, I, I disagree with that completely because um, he it, it, it is eisegesis if we didn't have Paul's letters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we didn't have Paul's letters, then it is eisegesis. But we, ha- we do have something where we where that's talked about later and more specific i'll tell you where we're going here where, where, where they always wind up going we start to shave off the bible hmm. and then pretty soon there's going to be a battle between paul and christ hmm. and who wins hmm. that's where we're headed hmm. probably not in this uh anytime soon or in this interview necessarily but that is where we're going hmm. okay noted that's so you, you got a problem who authorized women to teach jesus all authority is given to me, therefore teach. All authority is given to me, therefore baptize. You got a problem with the Great Commission. I had to repent when I actually looked at the Great Commission. Mm. I had to say, it's not just for ordained men, it's for everybody. The second thing that changed my mind was the day of Pentecost. Two things happened on that day. We know the first day of the church, the church is its birth is the church at its best, on that day, okay, stop. In, at Pente- the church at its birth is the church at its best. He said, "We know that." I don't know where he he concludes that. That was like the high point of the church, right? I, I, it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> I don't know. See, when you watch the, the when you watch the introduction to this, and we're we're coming into this at about what ten or twelve minutes, yeah, eleven minutes. He goes. Prior to this, he went through an entire 
diatribe about the differences between conservatives and fundamentalists. A conservative uh, Christian is, is him. Okay. A fundamentalist is one who must be right and will never, ever change his mind. Unteachable. He's yeah. unteachable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what he did at the very beginning of this interview was set the parameters that says, everything I say you must take as gospel. Hmm. And if you don't, you're some bigoted fundamentalist. Hmm. You're, you're an unteachable, knuckle-dragging, uh, fundamentalist Christian that uh, is, is irredeemable. And, and we, don't, we don't need to bother with you. Mm-hmm. So I'm here to enlighten you all uh, from the hilltop uh, to which I've ascended, you know, I, all these, I've, I've climbed the 57,000 notches of baptisms on this belt. And from the, from the height of that, I am going to inform you all about how this is supposed to be. Mm. And if you don't repent of your positions, you fundamentalist, then, then, you know, you, off with your head. Mm. It, so I, I, I rebel at that kind of an introduction. Mm. Uh, for years, I worked with a guy who was an absolute pagan, uh, a guy that I loved, but, and, and he taught me a bunch. And one of the things that he taught me is that when he was in Georgetown doing his doctorate work, he would argue with the Jesuits there. And he said, you know, if you accept the premise at the beginning of their argument, you're done for. Mm. They've had a thousand years mm. to perfect their arguments. The premise that, that this guy sets up, Rick Warren sets up at the beginning of this interview, negates the rest of the interview, mm. as far as I was concerned. I didn't really need to listen all that much mm. because what he was saying was, you're not allowed to argue with me. Mm. You're not allowed to crit- criticize me. And so, uh, you know, say what you will, Rick. Because you lost me at minute five. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, well this, this is why we have to cling to the Word of God, the Scriptures. Because he has already... Okay, he says he's appealing to the Great Commission. Now he's going to go to the day of Pentecost. But not all the Scripture. Right. Not, not all of it. See, that's the thing. He has subtly shifted the, the locus of the authority from oh, the Scriptures. Not so subtle. Yeah, but perhaps not so subtly to the guy who's baptized 57,000 people. And who are you? I don't care what kind. And he talks about eisegesis. Right. But it doesn't matter what kind of exegete you are. It doesn't matter if you use the scriptures at all. How many have you baptized? Right. That's true. <laughs> and that's basically his argument for the second half of this interview is, is establishing himself as basically the Lord's gift to Christianity and, and, and the church. He's the authority. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. Pentecost. We know women were in the upper room. Okay, stop. We know for a women were. I, 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 exactly. Do we know how that? do we know I, that? I, that's what I want to know. How do we know that? Isn't it say these men are not drunk? Yeah. Isn't that the claim? These men are not drunk. Isn't that what it says? Yep. What does your Bible that's say? That's what it that? says. These men are not. Peter standing up with the eleven. We'll get to that in a moment. The eleven what? Um, <laughs> but anyway, or eleven who? Um, but Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, "Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let let this be known to you and heed my words for these." Are not drunk. He doesn't say. He doesn't okay. say these men are not drunk, okay. as you suppose. There, there. But um, while well, I was going to say this, I'll say it now. <coughs> Peter standing up with the eleven. Mm-hmm. Eleven who? Mm-hmm. Eleven men. Okay. But how does he know that there were women there? He, he said. He, sa- he said we know there were women in the upper room. Yeah, he does. He doesn't know that. 
Well, what, what does it say, Dad, in the scriptures? I mean, like, what, what, what could he who's use? Who's gathered? Yeah. yeah who's it gathered? says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they, they were sitting. There appeared unto them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and so forth. Then it go, that's, that's the people in whom, to whom the Holy Spirit came. Now it goes back, it goes to the people who were confused and who mocked, at least at, at the beginning. There is no statement that there, uh, that there were women in, in the upper room at all. Right. What Warren does in this interview, and you'll see this in a moment, I believe, is that he uses the, the passage from Joel to, by implication, paint, you know, that, that your, your, your young men will prophesy and, your, and women. And so he's he's using the implication from the prophecy of Joel to say that we know that there were women there. Otherwise, Peter well, would not have used that verse to say. Well, I mean, it does make the claim. Okay, so I see where he's getting this from because I, I was yeah, wondering. Yeah, verse fourteen. Yeah, let's t- talk one. about that. Verse fourteen. They all these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. So they were praying together with his brothers. Yeah, r- right with his brothers. In those days, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the same group. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, the disciples, okay. altogether the number of names is about 120, and said, men and brethren. Mm. Okay. All right. Pretty simple, pretty simple language there. Okay, so that's where he gets the, the idea. So he thinks that they, that, that continues that uh, okay, so it doesn't really. It's not very clear whether they were still there or not. Well, it's but even worse because who, he who's says men Peter? and brethren. Peter and misogynist Peter, right? right? If 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 the women were there, he's even worse now, right, John? Because he didn't recognize <laughs> he, them. He should have recognized the women. Yeah, right, men and brethren. He's even worse. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's where he gets that from. All right. Filled with the Holy Spirit, we know that women were preaching in languages that other people couldn't hear. Where does he get the idea that they were preaching? In Pentecost, I only see one preacher there, and that's Peter, and everyone else was prophesying. Is that preaching to him? It was. Okay. Uh, is that what he means? Because preaching and prophesying aren't the same thing in my book. I, I think in the biblical book, I, I don't think that uh, preaching and prophesying are the same thing. Right? Because there's prophets and there's, there's, there's preachers, right? Yep. And the, the gifts. Yeah, yeah, right? And, and there's a differentiation there. And he, and he to hit in his book, I guess... Yeah, women preaching, I, 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 yeah, I don't buy that. To a mixed audience. We know women. It wasn't just men. Women were preaching on the day of Pentecost. How do we know that? Because Peter felt obligated to explain it. Mm. And so in Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 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 17 and 18, he goes, Hey, guys, these people aren't drunk. What you're seeing was foretold by Joel. It was going to happen. And he said, and so he explains why you're now seeing women preaching on the very first day of the church. He explains it. Um, no, he doesn't say. I don't think so. It doesn't say, it doesn't say preaching. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it says so. Says prophesy. It he, does not he say. He doesn't preaching. explain why you see women preaching. That that's not in there. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know. No, it's not. It's not. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young right. men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. When my men serve, when my maids serve, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. It's it, it said there again. Now, it, it, this one here: your young men shall see visions, and your old men and, and your old men shall dream dreams. If we're going to be strict with the uh, with with the context here and with the language, does that mean that the women were ex- excluded? 
right? Okay. Does that mean that the women were excluded from dreaming dreams and seeing visions? I don't know. If we're going to be strict the way he's talking about it. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, you, you can't get away from these differences between men and women in the scriptures. Agreed. And he says, this is that that Joel predicted. And here's what he says. In the last days, and clearly that means Peter thought the last days began with the birth of the church. We're in the latter of the last days now. We don't know how many more there will be. <laughs> Just a little bit of bad theology thrown in here to boot. Um, you know, that has nothing to do with... Uh, you know, men and women here. He just throws in this really bad theology that we're in the latter part of the last days. Two thousand. That's, that's apparently two thousand years old. But um, that was. I, I, I laughed out when I. I lol when I heard that. But the last days began with the birth of church. Peter says, "In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's different than the Old Testament." Russell, I've, I've looked at over 300 commentaries on those verses. How many? And it's interesting to me that almost everybody goes... 300? 300 commentaries? I didn't know there were 300 commentaries on that on those verse. How many... How does that divide into 57,000? I just... I, I don't know. <laughs> yep. In the, in the church, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to preach. Everybody gets to prophesy. And the people who don't like that, ignore that verse. John MacArthur doesn't even cover that verse. He just skips over it. And then the third thing that changed my mind, see, none of this had to do with culture. Mm -hmm. Had to do with scripture. And then all of a sudden... Why would he throw John MacArthur under the bus, of all people? What's that about? What, what's going on yeah, there? Yeah, there's something going on there. I don't what's know what. What's his beef with John MacArthur? I thought we we're all in this together or something. You know, I thought he was one of those. We're clearly not all in this together. Uh, okay, I, I thought he was one of those ecumenical guys. You know, and he just he spends a lot of this a, a lot of this time saying, you know, I just want to preach to everybody and I want to get rid of denominational differences. And then he just threw John MacArthur under the bus. Why'd you do that? I don't get it. It didn't make sense to me why he would say that. I noticed that the very first sermon, the very first Christian sermon. The message of the gospel of good news of the resurrection, Jesus chose a woman to deliver it to men. He That's had Mary Magdalene. That's okay. not the first sermon. Okay. The Sermon on the Mount is the first sermon, you mean? No, no, no. But I mean, he's, he's talking yeah. about the post-resurrection sermon. Peter's, yeah. Peter's sermon. Yeah. Peter's, uh, Peter's is a sermon. Yeah. Mary Magdalene may, carried a message. Right. That's it's not true. a sermon yeah. to so, say Christ, that the grave is empty. Yeah. Now anybody now, who carries boys, a message is a boys, sermon. Boys, sit down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got something to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this little mic feedback, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it's, come on, he's stretching everything to make his point. Pe to, Peter's going to get the offering, and then I'm going to get deliver a message. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and but but he he gets even worse here. He gets even worse. Well, I'm I'm waiting for this right here. What, listen to what he says. Oh, jeez. Clearly, wasn't an accident. It was an intentional. It's a whole new world, baby. Now he has a woman go tell the apostles. You got on? Can a woman teach an apostle? Evidently, did it on the first day. He chose her to be the first preacher of the gospel. The first preacher of the gospel? That's the gospel message? Jesus Christ rose? That's the gospel message to you? It's a baby. It's a, it's a whole new world. It's a whole right. new world? That's, that's the gospel message to you? Are you insane? 
I mean, I mean, the, 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 the fall of man, the sin, the law, that's not part of the gospel to you? The, the gospel is, hey, Jesus Christ resurrected. I, I mean, I, I think the four spiritual laws are a better uh, representation of the gospel than what he, this guy just said. Are you kidding me? That's the gospel? Do you think Mary Magdalene ran to them and said, hey, uh, we're all sinners, and uh, we need a Savior, and um, Jesus Christ is that Savior, and he just rose from the dead? You think that's what she said? Luke, you're such a fundamentalist. I am such a fundamentalist, man. I'm not willing to be taught on this. I'm not willing to be taught on the gospel. The gospel did not exist before Christ rose. But we know that we know that it did. It did, right? Right, right. Because it was the gospel of the kingdom, and the first preacher of the gospel of the kingdom was Christ himself. This is insane. See, see, this, see the problem here is like, like you go on in, in, in Peter's uh, message, right? Okay, we're we're, we're going to do strictly like he's saying. It, hey, it's so women are included in, in Joel's prophecy. Okay, well, in verse uh, twenty-nine, well, uh, verse twenty-two. Okay, this is Peter's sermon. Men of Israel, hear these words. Okay. Right? What a, what a misogynistic jerk. Yes. Okay. Did he include women with that or, or, or only men? Uh, okay. 29, verse 20. Men and brethren, let me speak freely of you. Freely. Um, uh, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. Now, again, if you're going to do the strict thing that he's talking about, and he's even importing women in the, in, in the upper room that, that doesn't exist. But if he's going to say that since we are state, since we stated specifically women in Joel's prophecy, if we're going to do that specific reference, then uh, he's tying himself to to yes. a very strict interpretation. Of the text, he he, right? he is right, and he can't get out of it. Right, right. That's a mistake. He doesn't have to. So you would after Not the like last three years, uh, you would support. Uh, men and women as elders, a senior pastor, as as everything within the church. I, I would, I would, I would, but I, but here's what I'd say. Be, I, because I have to say, this is my interpretation, mm-hmm. I have to say with humility, it doesn't bother me if you disagree with me. Now, now g- given what he just said there, let me just say, at the end of this interview, okay, all right, at the end of this interview, Rick Warren is asked, what do you think about what's going on at uh, As- Asbury, right? That's the name of the place, yes. Asbury. And he says, I think everybody who thinks it's not real should just shut up. Okay, that's his word. Okay, so remember, you're, you're dealing with a two-faced person here who says, well, it's okay if you, if you disagree with me about my position on women pastors. But if you don't think what's happening at Asbury is real, then you better sit down and shut up. Okay, that's, that is a two-faced kind of attitude. You got to pick one and stick with it. Either people who disagree with you on these events, because obviously what the scripture talks about is way more important than what's going on at Asbury. Right, and 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 we should have a much stronger stance, a much stronger feeling about what the scripture says, rather than my interpretation of an event. But that's what he said at the end of this interview. Just play it, and 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 he throws you under the bus if you don't think that what's happening in Asbury is real. Well, what is really troublesome about this this comment that he just made? Hey, you know, if you have a, a different interpretation, what do you say? It doesn't bother me, right? Right? I, Why should I care what bothers him? Only, only if he is, as you said earlier, John, he's the guy. He's the authority. Right? Yeah. He and, set himself up as the authority at the beginning of this interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I should be concerned about whether or not my interpretation is different from his. Yeah. But he just gave me permission. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. For 2,000 years, the church has debated the role of women in culture. But to make it a, te- a litmus test for are you a Baptist or not is nonsense. 
because the very but they kind of did though, right? I mean, the SBC kind of did make it a litmus test. No, right? they did. They I mean, did. they put that's it into their doctrine, right? That's what he's complaining about. And I right. think that's what we just got to the heart of the heart of the argument. Right. He's been embarrassed by the SBC, mm. and 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 he's going to come back at him. Okay. Very first, the very first Baptist confession, the sixteen ten, says the officers of the church are elder, not pastor, and deacons and deaconesses. Mm-hmm. That's the original Baptist confession. Can't, so do you want to go back to the original? <laughs> can't be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or not. Um, and so go read the preamble of the Baptist faith message, which it says this is not binding on anybody. It says it in the preamble. This is not binding on any church. So you don't have to but believe that deaconesses? Yeah, see, again, we, we, we have a strict interpretation if you're going to do this. It says that the officers are going to be elders and deacons and deaconesses. Mm-hmm. They can't be women then, right? I mean, by his strict interpretation, mm-hmm. right, He the, the, the confession, he says, allows for female deacons. It obviously doesn't allow for, for female elders. Right. Obviously, and well, and, and, but but he's gonna, he's going to import them in anyway, and and it's like I I mean it's almost blinding to me mm-hmm. how, how how shamefully fraudulent he he is. Right. Think think about that for just a second. The sixteen ten Baptist Confession says he allows for deaconesses. Good. It doesn't allow for female elders, which he is allowing for. Mm-hmm. So he's appealing to that authority and dumping it over the side at the same time. And and it also doesn't allow for him. Does he call himself a pastor? True it, enough. It doesn't say pastor. He, he didn't call himself an elder. I didn't think about that. He he, he he calls himself a pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. Pastor. I'm a pastor of church. Oh, 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 mega church. Fifty thousand men. Baptist. Whatever. You know. He, he keeps calling himself that. And if he's appealing to that, then he just disqualified himself because it doesn't say pastor. I'll tell you what's ruined this thing for me is, is John. John has ruined this whole thing for me tonight. <laughs> it's I always my fault. I, I can't get fifty-seven thousand out. Of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't listen to the second half. Fifty-seven thousand. Yeah. Don't, don't listen to the second half. Thanks a lot, John. It <laughs> a, a, a confession into a creed, and we're weaponizing it. We're starting an inquisition, and if this this now falls into place. Let, let me just let me just say something real quick here about what he just said there, and he slipped us in. And if you listen to the beginning of his um, um, of of his interview, he mentions the problem with racism. Okay. Oh. He he, he mentions that as a problem, like that's that the church is supposed to deal with. I will promise you, he weaponizes that. He said he, he he talks about a strict strong stance against racism in the church, and I promise you he's like oh you know racism is not a creed, okay as far as I know I, I don't know of any creed that's referred to racism it is a confession you can find in the scriptures that racism is not allowed but I promise you he's going to weaponize racism if you are racist in a church he will be there right front and center to condemn you and kick you out of the church I promise you. Because he, at the beginning of this inter, uh, of this interview, he took a really bizarre. Nobody was even talking about racism, but he mentioned it, and 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 he's like, big, "Oh, you know, we took a confession. We're weaponizing. It's such a problem. You are doing the same thing with racism, sir. I promise you, you're doing it." Any pastor each week can stand up and say, "I want to kick out that church because they disagree on dispensationalism." We again, again, if there was a church that said we believe that you know uh, black people shouldn't be married to white people. 
Would you be like, oh, you know, we're, we're all in the same thing. It's not a confession. It's not a creed. Blah, 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 blah. But he, no, there's no way. There's no way that he would be like, okay with that. Oh, you know, which says interprets the scripture differently. There's no way. We should kick out churches for sin. We should kick out churches that harm the testimony Okay, okay the, stop for a second again, if you would. Um, I don't know of churches that kick out other churches. First of all, this idea of churches kicking out other churches, I'm not sure what that is actually I guess denominations about. kicking people out of their out of their denomination. Okay, yes. maybe that's what he, what he means, perhaps. A I denomination. Certainly the way I took it. Yeah, okay. well, and probably the context of him being uh, thrown out of the Southern Baptist uh, Church. But... Do they kick people out for dispensation? Has have you ever heard of a ever heard of that? No, I, just, I guess it's happened, but he's just picking. He's you know he's cherry picking his his topics here to justify his own uh, ego, mm. and, and and there's a lot to justify there, a lot because it's a big one. This isn't harming the testimony of anybody. Hmm. And, well, and it's a it, I disagree with that. Also, at the end of the Titus qualification that you read in church. We're supposed to have proper roles so that the word of God would not be blasphemed. Would not be blasphemed. That's important to Paul. And Paul thought the, the, the roles that we play in our church and the elders and their, the, the role that their wives play is so important that if we screw this up, the word of God is going to be blasphemed. And here he is saying, I guess. It doesn't guess, hurt, hurt anybody's testimony. What happened is 300 commentaries. Nobody, none of, one of them mentioned that. His 50,000, 7,000, you know, baptisms. He never, never once thought about that. Come on, Rick. Come on. It's what's a, disp a disputable issue, as Paul says in Romans 14. The problem with the fundamentalists is there are no disputable, no secondary issues with them. Every one of them matters. How do you tell the difference between primary oh, and secondary issues? Oh, wait a second. Again, issues? disputable issue. There's no disputable issues. Yeah. Fundamentalists are set. <laughs> not me. <laughs> not, I'm changeable. Not, not like me. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike me. I'm, I'm going with the latest and greatest information, baby. No, but he's not. He's being informed by the scripture, not by the culture. See, that's that's the other thing. I, I got 50, 57,000 and baby. Yeah, I, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm going to be useless the rest. <laughs> the rest of this podcast, right? And and um, I, I, I'm I don't know about you, John, but I'm just waiting for him to start singing "Holly Jolly Christmas" because he looks just like Burl Ives. I don't know about you, but he looks just like Burl yeah, Ives. Yeah, but the voice isn't even close. Yeah, that, not not specifically with this, but with with anything. I think mean, there are a lot of people who who yeah. struggle with that. Well, you know what? Al Mohler, in, in, in a, a book written by Danny Aiken, wrote a, a very good thing that I agree with him on that. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, he says a pastor has to do triage. Yeah. And, and there are primary, which are, you got to have this or you're not saved. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he says, then there are secondary. Uh, again, I, I'm sorry I keep bringing this up, but I wonder if he thinks a racist can be saved. That's my, my question. Do you think a racist can be saved? You know, I'd, I'd like to hear the answer. I, I would that. like to hear the answer to that. And he said, and of those secondary causes, he said, those secondary causes like for or against Calvinism, the a, a system of soteriology, that might split a church. But he said even that shouldn't split a denomination. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the third are matters of preference. Okay. Which are... Okay, this or I, I don't even know what those would be, but they're just so minor. They're like, well, you believe this color, or I believe that color, or, or drinking or not drinking, or, or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, this issue, women's role, it's not a primary issue because it, it doesn't have to do with salvation. 
it is a secondary issue. And it- uh, and, and uh, that, that's a problem there because, you know, the Bible doesn't make that claim, that claim that he just made. And the Bible never says, uh, makes a claim that only the issues that are about salvation are the ones you should argue about. Apparently, like, like I said, Paul's ordering of male and female with their elders and wives, it's not that so no one doesn't get saved. It has nothing to do with salvation in his mind. He says so that the word of God might not be blasphemed. That is it's apparently important enough for him to, to really communicate what he's talking about when it comes to roles of men and women in the church. And, and when you get into what's important and what's not important in the Bible, you're on a pretty slippery slope. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah it's true. Very it's true. It's just yep. really tough. Yep. I, I remember uh, listening to uh, Martin Selbrady talking about the 618 laws that the... Uh, the, the Jewish elders had identified as, as God's laws. And the least right. important of the laws in their estimation was uh, that, that one about putting the bird's nest back up yep. in, the, mm-hmm. in the tree. Not right? allowed to kill the mother. Right. And, and, and he pointed out that it had a promise attached to mm-hmm. it, right? That your days may be long in the land. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the least of the laws. That's familiar to me. Where did I hear that one? Have before? I heard that before? Was it in any of the Big Ten? I think that's, yeah. that's, that's Martin's greatest observation. He's made a lot of great observations. I think that's Martin's greatest observation. I think about that one often. I, I, I do. And so, but it's also a reminder to me about uh, having to have bells go off in your head when somebody says it's a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. It's a tertiary issue. Mm-hmm. It's, it, we don't need to worry about that. It's... it's you know, it's like the uh, it's like the extra DNA in our in our genes. It's just junk DNA. It doesn't mean anything. Mm. Oh, they keep finding stuff. Yeah. Wait. Oh, wait. Right. There's there's right. like an appendix. So yeah. You, you don't need it. And 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 the uh, the simple cell. Remember that, Dad. The simple cell. The simple oh, yeah. cell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not not so simple no more. You know. So let's continue. If Al is correct, according to his triage, it might split a church, but it shouldn't split. A denomination. Because I, I thought you said earlier that senior uh, okay. pastor, elder. Okay, a little bit of context. Uh, Al Moeller, of course, is big, is very, very big shot in the Southern SBC. Baptist. SBC. In the SBC. Mm-hmm. So what what we're being told right here by Rick Warren is that, that the decision to throw him out of the Southern Baptist Convention must have somehow gone through Al Moeller. Uh, Al Moeller had to have been or, involved. Or in that somehow decision. it snuck by him. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe yeah. they don't know. Maybe Al doesn't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Hey, woke <laughs> up. Hey, they threw uh, Rick Warren out. Um, wait, but who's Rick Warren? Oh, I, I remember. I was out that day. Yeah, he was. He was a guy with fifty-seven thousand. Yeah, that's just <laughs> baby. Or anything uh, was fine with you. So that's that's. I would say that in our church, we've decided that the L, the, the senior pastor is to be a man. Uh, oh, a married man of one wife. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 hasn't he read Acts 2? Yeah. Hasn't he read the Great Commission? Yeah. The Great Commission only applies to uh, uh, um, pastors who are not the senior pastor? Wait a minute. <laughs> 
how's he get away with this? And, and, and there's, there's what's his name? Joel, 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 <laughs> Joel, Joel, Joel. It's a secondary issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Same relax, baby. Oh, oh yeah. There's, and there, he just did that. I'm, okay, I'm going to try to relax. He, he just it's not did, working. He just did that. And there's Russell Moore like nodding. Uh, you know, like, Sage, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh, now there's a point there. Like, oh, oh, uh. oh, man, this is great. Don't. I wouldn't kick somebody out over that. I think that's again a secondary, a secondary issue. Here's the thing, Russell. Um, for hundreds of years, Black Baptist churches have been ordaining women as bishops, as pastors. Okay, all right, here here we go. If you don't believe in ordaining women as pastors, you're a racist. Yeah, I guess. There we go. That's where we're headed. Yeah, there we are. That's where we're headed. As apostles, uh, as elders, as deaconesses, if this is true, the SBC is. Oh, if the black people did it, then it must be all right. I mean, come on, right? I mean, everything they. I mean, what in the world? What kind of. Well, he, he, he gets this. He's holding up a sign said, All black churches, look elsewhere. You're not wanted here because they already have. I've had over 300 letters written to me by scared pastors going, If they find out us, we've ordained uh, women in our church, will we get kicked out too? And they're scared to death. Hmm. I, I'm actually. Uh, uh, to me, if all this hurt was Saddleback, I'd just walk away from it. But but there's two things that I, I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about now, convinced, we'll never fulfill the Great Commission with half of the church sitting on the bench. Does, does he really think that women are completely useless unless they're pastors? I mean, is, is, that, like what what I just, is that what I just heard? That's what he just they're just completely useless unless they're pastors. That, that's, that's basically what he just said there. Half sitting on the bench. That's what they've been doing. You know, I mean, uh, all those, you know, the last 2,000 years, women have been sitting on the bench. Well, not just that, Luke. It's all those other people who aren't ordained, who aren't in leadership, who haven't been out there baptizing. Mm. That's not half the church. That's most of the church. Yeah, it's true. You know, he's, he's negating his own argument here by saying we need to double our qualified, uh, ordained, Personnel in order to get these baptisms and the uh, Great Commission fulfilled. Okay, but earlier he said, "No, no, no, everybody's qualified. Once you're saved, uh, you're qualified to do it all." Okay, baby. Yeah, yeah right. Preaching, communion—that's true. That's a good. The baptism—that's good observation. He just—he just said this isn't for ordained people. No. Yeah, and, and so what? Why is he? So, yeah. but now he's very concerned for those. Hmm. It's not about him. It's he's he, if they just kick me out, I'd be like walk on my merry way, no problem. But I'm, I'm standing up for the little yeah, guy. That's right. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. This should have started off with Senator Rick Warren. That's that's this is what it should have. That's how he should have been interviewed. Voice for the voiceless. I, I believe the Great Commission was given to everybody. Everybody is to go. Everybody is to make disciples. Everybody is to baptize, and everybody is to teach. That's what the Great Commission says. And Jesus authorized men and women to do it. And I don't think we're ever going to complete it. We should quit calling ourselves Great Commission people if, we, if we're not going to obey the whole thing. I believe millions of Southern Baptist women are, are, are being, the talent and their spiritual gifts are being wasted. Wait a minute. We seriously have millions with an S. 
two million qualified women who are able to be pastors. You don't have that. You don't have that many guys. No, How true. many guys are in your seminaries right now? Yeah, we have millions with an S. Like, yeah. what, what is he talking about? That's talking true. about everybody. Yeah, talking about everybody. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she apparently she's a female and a believer. She's qualified. She's qualified. Yeah, right. well, that's what right. he said earlier. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, we don't right. have to joke about that. He said that. Mm. It's true. And if the Southern Baptists want them, I'll take them. I'll take them, and I'll and I'll I'll help them find a place to. Uh, to... I'm, I'm just I'm just I just picture a stampede of women. A stampede of women. Just... Women on their oh, horses, yeah. dust billowing in the back. We found a home saddle. <laughs> Rick Warren, our savior. The hubris of sitting in front of a camera. Oh, my word. And saying, I'll take them. Yes, that's that's right. I'll take them. That's right. They don't want these. Oh, I'll take them. Oh, my word. This guy's too too much. I mean, this is better than I thought it would be. (laughs) To serve and glorify God with the spiritual gifts they were given. So do you, are you just sort of like, I'm moving on now, it doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah, but they, they are moving on, and then it's the Rick Warren show from there on out, and Russell Moore barely gets a word in, and, you know. It fifth, was embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russell Moore might as well have gone home. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he might as well have been talking to, like, an empty camera, just like, it's it's me, and I'm, I'm taking it, I'm rolling, baby. So um, that's basically the interview, um, the portions that we wanted to, to talk about. The rest of the interview is just really, seriously, Rick Warren just, you know, Tooting his own horn, you know. The Rick Warren show. Oh uh, yeah, all glory and honor to you know to Rick, you know. And uh, uh, before we go, I just want to play to you a clip. Now this one has a caveat. Um, I saw uh, this one has a caveat. This is uh, um, this is the people that Rick Warren has chose to replace him at Saddleback Church out there in California. Um, uh, he's stepping down. Sort of, I guess. I'm not sure what way he's stepping down, but um, he's going to let these two take over his spot. So it's going to be a male and female, um, I mean, a pat, uh, husband and wife duo to lead the church, which is very progressive of him. Congratulations, uh, yeah, Rick. Yeah. Very yeah. progressive of you. Inclusive. And very inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, still kind of holding on to both sides, you know. Uh, so this is a tweet from a guy named Eric Reed. He says this, you know, it's, he's talking about this video that I'm about to play. He says, I've seen this circulating as bad, but I'm friends with someone who knows Andy well. Yeah, not very reliable. They said Andy is 100% solid on woke issues. It's old. He was a young planter in San Francisco. He's clearly hadn't thought through it. Again, Bad answer, but I bet he'd agree it was bad. So let's take a listen to exactly what this bad answer is. Dad is not hurt yet. Dad is yeah. What's the question? You're in for a great surprise. Here we go. One on divorce. Can I take that one? Um. Okay. He yeah. wanted it. Okay. okay. He wanted it. This says. Um. This is from Erica. It says I have gay friends who came to Jesus after they were married and adopted children. God hates divorce. How would you approach the situation? Hmm. I don't know. Really hard. Yeah, tough one. I don't know if there's a. I don't know if there's a black and white answer. This and this is a guy. I think I would them. sit with this. Oh, okay, we well, you know what. I, I I agree with Rick Warren. <laughs> How many more women are more qualified than this poor slob? 
Oh my word. <laughs> and I would pray with them and I would try to wrestle through that decision. And I think it's such a life, um, it is such a massive, massive decision that I would probably say, read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, and um, I will journey with you with it, with it, in it. And as you journey through it with them, I would have an ongoing conversation mm. to ask them how the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding them. I think is how I would handle it. Because I don't, I don't know. There, there are, okay, you know, Lori and Jason, our, our friends are on the line. They, they were missionaries in overseas and they would see people come to faith who had um, in polygamous cultures and they had five spouses. And so what do they do? Do they divorce four of the spouses and keep one of them? Or um, I don't, I don't know. So I think read the Bible, pray, ask the Holy Spirit to speak. That would be my encouragement and then journey with them through it. Yeah. I think that people that draw hard, strong lines um, and it, it gets really difficult. It, it doesn't take into account how complicated um, the individual situation can be. And yeah. I think that it has to be navigated with nuance and a lot of wisdom and grace. Yeah. And I, I think that part of part of what the enemy does in our minds is that there are some situations that are black and white and there are some that are gray. And I think that situations that are more black and white call for a decision and situations that are more gray call for more discernment, prayer and scripture. I mean, pr processing and talking through it. So. Yeah, there it is. There's well, I, I think we're, 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 we're on our way here. We got um, the words down. We heard journey like three times. Yeah. yeah uh -huh. And I like yeah. that last one, processing. Yeah. I right. mean, we're, we're, we didn't get <laughs> lean in. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't get that one. I was right. waiting for it. It, 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 it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But this is such a problem. Okay. I get it that Livingston had problems in polygamous cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, missionaries argued about whether or not they should put away the, all the wives but one. Livingston apparently, David Livingston apparently thought that they should. Others thought that they should not. Okay. All right, difficult thing. I get it. So that means that there's no answers. Um, I want to hear from the um, eight-year-old who's married to the sixty-year-old, right? What, what what do we do? Wow, it's it's it's, it's a gray area. <coughs> and, and yeah, God hates divorce. Yeah, we're married. We're married. Uh, so this four-year-old was promised to me. Uh, this uh, God hates divorce. Right. I mean, what when when you start doing this? So you, what, what you what you wind up doing is you start you begin at some point then to to make the obvious things murky, hmm. and that's what he's doing. Let's say two men. Where does he get the idea that two men can be married to each other? Right from the Bible. Right. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Let's read the Bible. Right. Right. They were never married in the first place. They so were not it, married. It's quite an easy answer. They're that, never that, married. That is you, can't, not difficult. you can't divorce someone you're never married to. So, it, but, but that's news to these to to, to this. Pastor, right in and San Francisco, in who San did Francisco, a yeah. church plant in San Francisco, mm. who's trying to reach those people, trying to reach those people, right? right. And here I am making a judgment. Those people, yeah, right. uh, sorry, but I mean, he's certainly trying to reach gay people. Well, if you're planting a church in San Francisco, I don't care how old, old this video is, um, and so he's trying to not alienate his potential congregation. Mm -hmm. So he's just playing to the crowd. That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. 
and and, and it's it's noticeable. Anyway, folks, that God, God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate uh, homosexes. Yeah, he's, uh, he's fine with that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. Be, be, That's a good point. Just one, th- just want to read a passage that has to do with this. I'll go back to this a little bit, and this is uh, this is one offensive passage. I desire, this is Paul in 1 Timothy 2, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel and with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For, he's going to give his reason, for Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into the transgressions. So here we go. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. What a bigot. What a horrible guy. What a bigot. Yeah. And, and like I said, John, he never addressed... I mean, and he, first off, he says, there's, I think he said four passages that I go to initially, and he only talked about two. <coughs> so I want to know what the other ones were. Uh, and, you know, I'm just curious and, you know, maybe didn't have time well, to get to it, but. Great Commission. Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, Day of Pentecost. Yeah, and uh, the fact that Mary Magdalene. Oh, Mary went Magdalene. To the, oh, Mary yeah, Magdalene. Yeah, that's right. Go. Okay, yes. All right. All right. So there, there was three. Okay. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening to the Think and Reform podcast. This is a podcast put on the minute by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. This is Luke, Joel, John saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, Think and Reform.